Hello and welcome to the Rocky Peak Young Adults Podcast. We meet Sunday nights at 7.30 at the church at Rocky Peak. For info on upcoming events, find us on Instagram at rpyoungadults. Enjoy the message. Uh, how about Kelly McCoy? Can you? Honestly, I have never met a guy like Kelly McCoy. He is amazing. And the best thing about Kelly McCoy is he married an amazing woman. Michelle McCoy. How about that? They are a tremendous couple, and I so respect this guy and what he uh, brings to RPYA and to Rocky Peak, the vision that he has and, and how God's just continuing to pour things into him and pour things out of him has just been awesome to see. So, Kelly, thank you for inviting me here tonight. And um, to all of you, to my team, uh, Joey James, where's Krista? part of my team, and uh, Priscilla is actually starting to work with us a little bit now on, so welcome. Uh, thank you to all the guys uh, that do the amazing work in tech. I mean, it's crazy. This is awesome tonight. I'm a first-time visitor. I am a first-time visitor to RPYA. I feel welcomed. I feel like we've had an amazing time of worship, and so it's been great to, uh, to experience this part with it. This is really an interesting... Leaning. It's a leaning tower. It's okay. I think I can fit. I, I, oh, I just need a little book, and we got it. There we go. Okay. We only have the best here at Rocky Peak. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, uh, before we start, let me, let me just say a prayer uh, uh, for us and our time together. Father God, thank you for your, um, your word. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for everyone that's here tonight. Uh, Father, if there's someone here with a burden, a heaviness, a problem, uh, something that they you know, can't even know how to get through, we just pray that you would help them tonight. Uh, help me, Father, speak the truth that you want me to speak. Uh, we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you join us in this place because without you, we're nothing. Uh, we, um, just, we need your presence. We need your guidance. And we need your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm going to show you, I'll tell you a story about me a little bit, and then we'll get into the word. But um, uh, let's go ahead and show up that, that first slide. I want to introduce my family to, uh, to you. Uh, this lady right in the middle, her name is Leslie. Uh, Leslie is, <laughs> is right back there. Hi, honey. Uh, Leslie's my wife, and she's been here at Rocky Peak as long as I have, so she's been on staff almost eight years. She's a life group director, uh, amazing lady, and these are, uh, I have my three daughters, and then my three son-in-laws, and then my three grandchildren, and the two girls on the left, Bethany uh, works here at Rocky Peak, Bethany far left, uh, Bethany Calvo, she uh, uh, kind of helps run our film department, uh, and she uh, is pregnant, and then Bailey, right next to her, my youngest daughter, uh, is also pregnant. So in June, I'm going to have two more grandkids. So I'm pretty, pretty stoked about that. And so um, they are amazing things. And I want to tell you something about Leslie. I could sit here and talk all day about her. We've been married uh, in June. We'll be married 40 years. So it's interesting that ministry and marriage kind of uh, goes together with us. Um, I attended uh, Bible school and uh, served 10 years in youth ministry when I first started, 
And uh, Leslie was with me. She's a singer, songwriter, recording artist, and we would go travel for uh, to camps and to youth ministries and to events and and just loving uh, serving young people. Um, it's pretty amazing when you you think about what God will do with a life because my life has really changed over the years. And I kind of want to share some of that with you. But before I get into some of the the nitty-gritty stuff, I want to show you um, something that I did recently. Uh, uh, Oh, first, let me show me uh, a film clip of me, a shot of me. So that's when I was a young man, believe that or not. I think that's actually a film camera. That's a 16-millimeter camera. When I went to film school, I was shooting my first short film. And uh, I really kind of came to filmmaking from youth ministry, because in youth ministry, you use media like you guys just experienced all the media that was here. You use media, and I started, I kind of fell into it, but discovered that I had a knack at directing and telling a story. So I kind of really went a little bit, honestly, behind behind the camera, and uh, haven't done a ton of teaching uh, in a long time, but it's kind of something that I've, I've I'm used to, and and hopefully I can deliver some things to you tonight that will be helpful. Um, I'm a storyteller at heart, like Kelly said. I'm a filmmaker, um, and uh, I've produced commercials, and I've produced feature films. I've directed lots of things. My, I wish I had brought a clip of this, but I didn't. My favorite actor I've ever worked with, ever, is a chimpanzee. It's true, I had a chimpanzee in a commercial I did, and actually had two chimpanzees, but they weren't getting along that day. So we ended up just using one chimpanzee. Um, but I love telling stories, uh, but most, mostly I'm passionate about transformational stories. So a lot of the stories that you see here at Rocky Peak, if you attend here, uh, will be kind of birthed out of our department, and we have a great team that, that puts those together. Uh, I'm going to show you something I just did recently uh, on my bucket list. Let's show that. That's me skydiving. And let me tell you something about that. I'm afraid of heights. So uh, when I go up on tall buildings and looking over, I get vertigo. And when, I go, when I'm hiking or something and there's a sheer cliff, I am just hanging on the edge trying not to fall off. But it's so interesting. I have no fear of jumping out of an airplane. None, and I'll do it again. It was a blast, and I recommend it highly to anyone that wants to do it. It was um, an amazing time. Uh, And then let me show you this next shot. I was in Uganda here, and Joey and I actually went last year to Uganda, and we uh, led a media summit for African Renewal University, and we were doing a location scout here with some team members, uh, it was a great, great trip, great heart. We love pouring back into people's lives. And then uh, there should be another another photo there. This was really a fun night for me. I'm into sports. I love uh, all the Chicago teams, and I'll get into that in a minute. But I was invited to come to a boxing match in Uganda. This was in the middle of nowhere. And, of course, Joey didn't come that night. And so um, we were there. Uh, it was uh, high school and college, but they were like pros. I mean, amazing boxing. And I, I had a guy, this, uh, this guy, this tall guy to my right, um, he came up to me and says, hey, would you 
let us talk to you a little bit in between one of the matches. I said, sure, I'll, I'll come up there. What do you want to talk about? He goes, we'll figure it out. <laughs> and so, so uh, at, at one of the breaks, I, I got up there and we started talking and they wanted to talk about stories and film and they wanted to know if I was going to shoot a film there. And I said, sure, we'll do, you know, we'll shoot, shoot Rocky three. And he goes, but with a black guy, right? A black lead. I said, oh yeah, of course, the black lead. So I'm looking all around. There's all Africans. I'm the only white guy from a thousand miles. Maybe Joey was, was close by, but but anyway, it's just very interesting for for me to be in that in that environment. But they were so loving and kind. And this big tall guy next to me says, "Hey, have you ever boxed before?" I said, "Yeah, I boxed." He goes, "You want to go around?" I said, "So look at the, his arms and look how big this guy is." I said, "No, I'll take a rain check." And he. He, was, he laughed. He was a great guy, but I said no. Um, I was smart for me because I would be flat on my back in the first round. Um, one of the things that I'm very passionate about is helping people to become all they're created to be. And I just kind of fell into that. And I've just, I'm like a, a, a little, make, maybe like a little helper like the Holy Spirit is. I, when I find out, like, um, like I'll talk about my team members, I try to help them find their path. I try to help people I meet find their path and be able to kind of uh, pursue their dreams and find their calling. And that really uh, motivates me. It motivates me with my family. It motivates me with my team. And it motivates me with you. Leslie and I have led uh, life groups for uh, 20 to 32-year-olds for six years here at Rocky Peak. And before 2535 ever came, we were, we've been leading groups each year. So we have a real passion for you, for your age group. I think part of that is our kids obviously have just come through college and things like that. But um, my heart is for that. And to live the life you were meant to live, you need to become the person you were created to be. To become the person you were created to be, you need to love God first and become an imitator of Christ. If you really want to fully become who God has made you to be, you need to start with love, and you need to become an imitator. And as uh, Kelly shared, I grew up in Indiana, the northwest part of Indiana, which was right near Chicago. And I want to show you a photo of my dad. Uh, This is a photo of my dad in 1953 when he returned from the Korean War. And one thing about my dad is I feel like he was a great man. He was a veteran. He was a man of integrity. He was a man of his word. And he was a seeker of God. He, from a young age, he sought God. He wasn't perfect, but he would hold down three jobs for sure to put food on the table. And for that, I really respected him. We were like-minded guys. Uh, we were fishing buddies. Uh, a funny story, my dad was, he was a little bit... Um, See, what's the right word? Um, anxious, maybe in a boat. Like he, he was so focused on catching fish. If you ever made a sound, you know, he'd scare the fish away and he would make a comment on it. So he was very, very intense. And I caught, I got some of that intenseness in my life. And um, I've grown through some of that, those things in my life. For example, um, I don't know where this came from, but when I was a kid, I was an ang- I had anger fits. I had uh, kind of uh, 
I just would burst out in anger. And I remember one time I was just at the top of my lungs yelling at my mother. And she was not understanding what I was doing. She goes, you need to go get that out of you. And I said, well, what am I supposed to do? Go on the top of a hill and yell as loud as you can and get that out of you. And so I did. I went on top of a hill, and I yelled as loud as I could. And, of course, threw my voice out. I couldn't speak for a week after that. And I was thinking, what good did that do? It did nothing. But over time, as I've kind of leaned into God, leaned into his word, uh, memorized scripture, prayed, over time, after meeting a wonderful woman, young woman, marrying her, trying to get her to argue with me. She would never argue with me. We were opposites, and that was a good thing because I started taking on her personality. She started taking on the good things in in our personalities, and I started to grow through that, and eventually I got victory and and came through that entire thing, uh, which was amazing. And my dad, I think, uh, for many reasons, I just shared, I I, I loved him so much, and um, I've heard kids say, you know, when I grow up, I want to be just like my dad, and I was one of those. I wanted to imitate him in what he did, and so one of my experiences as um, growing up as a young man was experience, imit- I was imitating a lot of things. I would see something that I wanted to be, and this next slide will show you my real passion when I was a kid. So I love sports, and it was so interesting, you know, that in Uganda, I got to go to a boxing match because I love sports. That was, to me, it was a gift from God because I, I had, I would, how would that ever happen? And, and so I, I was uh, uh, near Chicago. I loved the Bears. I loved Walter Payton. I loved Chicago Bulls. I, I, you guys know who the most famous Chicago Bull is? Come on. Michael Jordan. I love Michael Jordan. Um, there was a time, uh, there, I think it was a Gatorade commercial that came out, a, a series that became a classic, Be Like Mike. Be Like Mike. And everybody wanted to be like Mike. And there was Bobby Hall with the Chicago Blackhawks, and there was Ron Santo with the Chicago Cubs. Ron Santo was a third baseman. I played third base. I would try to feel like him. I tried to swing the bat like him. Um, even when I w- started falling in love with golf, I would watch Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas, and I would watch them on TV, and I would go out in the backyard with a club, and I would try to mimic exactly how they hit the ball. And that's how I actually became a pretty good golfer. And uh, I just follow. I never had a real lesson. I just mimicked people. I just imitated what they were doing. So two things at this part of my life that I, I realized and I learned was, one, because I love sports, I put in the time to be the best player I could be. And two, I was obsessed with imitating the best. I, I really wanted to be like them. So the first thing, the first point and stories they didn't tell you in Sunday school What you love most, you become like. Now, some of you, it's a very powerful principle, first of all, but some of you might like surfing. And if you're a surfer, you're going to go get the best surfboard. And in California, 
you're going to have to get a wetsuit for sure. And you're going to get a, so you're going to, you're going to go to surf shops and you're going to hang out with surfers and you're going to, you know, read surf magazines or, or online. You're going to watch the surf movies. You're going to, you're going to do everything because you love it and you're consumed by it. You might be, uh, like obsessed with YouTube influencers and you might be watching this one and watching that one and you want to become like it or at least you want to be around that person because they're influential. Influential. So what you love most, you become like. Let me show you another picture here. Not my journey. Oh, wow. <clears throat> That's an old picture. So uh, when I was a young man, I'm the one on the left, by the way, the goofy glasses. And when I was growing up as a kid, it's so, so funny. I'd stand like this on every picture, <laughs> like this. I'd be like this. And I look back on some of those pictures, and I'm like, what in the world was I thinking? I have no idea why I thought you had to stand like that. Look at me. Pretty goofy. But one of the things um, I did at this age is uh, I became an altar boy in the Catholic Church. I was brought up in a Catholic family. My dad was a big Catholic man, and he had 13 brothers and sisters, and uh, my grandmother, I remember my grandmother would go to Mass three times a week. And I was so impressed with their, uh, their faith, and I wanted to be part of that. So I became an altar boy. In fact, my, my brother told me the reason he became an altar boy is because there was free wine at the end <laughs> of Mass. <laughs> and so, you know, the chalices that they have, and I don't know if you've ever been to the Catholic Church, or you, but the, yeah, there's definitely wine, and my brother, he partook of that quite a bit. <laughs> but what I found in my life at that age is I, I, I found out about one perfect man, and his name was Jesus. And I remember Jesus, uh, a pitcher in the Catholic Church, and I remember I was so nervous going out on my first Mass. I was just shaking. And... Um, but I saw that picture of Jesus, and I just, I just said, oh, I love you, Jesus. In my heart, I just said, I love you, Jesus. I had never really heard the gospel preached. I just heard stories about Jesus, and I wanted to be like Jesus. And I said, so I'm going to serve you, Jesus. I'm going to be like that. And, and one of the things in, uh, that I discovered over time is uh, in the Myers-Briggs personality testing is I have a strategic trait. A strategic trait. That's interesting to say. Um, and what that means for me is I want, I think with the end in mind. So if there's a goal or there's a problem, I'll start thinking like, how do I get to the end? How do, what's the fastest way to solve this problem? And the interesting thing about someone that has a strategic trait like this is it never stops. Your brain never stops working it. It continues to work it over and over. And so I have had many meetings with myself that I did not want to have at 3 a.m. because my brain is working the problem. And it's something that's strategic. And I, I mean, it's just a, it's an amazing thing. But I want to get to point A to point B. And I'm going to tell you why that's important in a little bit. When I was 15 years old, I actually heard the gospel message, and it was in 1974, and the pastor spoke on one perfect man, and I remember I was, I was there, he was preaching at the end of the service, 
And he said, does anyone want to receive Jesus as their personal Savior? If you do, raise your hand. And I remember, oh, I wanted to raise my hand so bad. And I was nervous. And, and he says, you know, several people did. And at that time, that was a thing you do. And, and I didn't raise my hand. And he goes, I still think there's somebody here. That's just feeling like, and man, and when he said that, my hand went up and it went down. And I was like, yes. (laughs) And it was interesting afterwards, someone tapped me on my shoulder. You're supposed to be your head bowed, eyes closed, but they were watching. They said, son, did you give your life to Jesus? Do you want to? Yeah. And I said, yes. And so a big thing at that time was my parents took me out to Red Lobster. Red Lobster was the place to go, and I was so excited to go there. And then they put a Bible right in front of me, and I'm like, a Bible. So I started reading the Bible over time, and um, I don't know where I stopped, maybe Ecclesiastes. I, I started at the beginning. and, and so, But I started to grow, and I started to uh, love God more. And then there came a day when I was really, really falling in love with Jesus. And I said, I said this prayer, and I, this prayer was very simple. Um, because I'm an imitator, because I'm strategic, I said this prayer, Heavenly Father, make me like Jesus. <laughs> simple prayer. But with all my heart, I spoke that prayer. And every day since that day, through all the hard times, through all the character transformation that needed to happen in me, he has been transforming me for many, many years. And so all the stuff that you think is important, maybe even at at your age, you start to realize over time, you live a little bit of life, and you start to realize what's really important. Well, loving people is really important. Well, I didn't have a whole lot of love, honestly. As a teenager, I was pretty rough. I hadn't heard the gospel, and, the, and the, honestly, in the Catholic Church, I served and I loved God, but I never heard the word to help me realize what that word could do to help transform me. But then I started to hear about it. I started to hear that word, and it started to bring life into me and to change me. God, from the very beginning, his plan was to make you and I like his son. And that's our destiny. In Genesis 1, it says, let us make human beings in our image and likeness. Of course, because of the sin that Adam and Eve committed, now that image is incomplete, it's damaged And it's distorted by sin. But what does the complete full image of God look like? Well, it looks like Jesus Christ. And that's the image that I wanted to be part of. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says this. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded our minds. And those who don't believe... They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. 
Colossians 1.15 says, He's the image of the invisible God. So Scripture says Jesus is the exact image and likeness of God. He is the visible image of the invisible God. And has anyone seen God? Has anyone here seen God? He's invisible. But the image of God, people have seen. And the record of that image is the scriptures we have today. And so that's how we see God. Because Jesus is that image. That's how we see him. That's how we know. It's interesting, this first point that I put on your uh, note sheets, if you have those, is to become imitators, you must love God first. And it's ironic because I'm going to spend the least amount of time on this point, even though it's the most important part. Because I think you guys know what love is. I told you about how love influenced me in my walk growing up. And I told you a little bit about how love has changed me over time. And I'll tell you this, that love that I had as a boy, as an altar boy, and that love that I prayed about and asked Jesus to change me is still with me today, and it's by the grace of God. It's by the grace of God. We all go by the grace of God. But love is, is uh, you know... Love is what makes the world go around. Of course it is. A law expert asked Jesus, what was the greatest commandment? And in Matthew 22, 37 and 38, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Can you say that? That's where you're at? I can say that sometimes I'm there. (laughs) Right? There's times that we're, we're like we're tracking. There's other times when that, that love has cooled off a little bit. Why did Jesus give us the commandment to love God first? Why? Because he knows that's the most powerful force in the world, love. What do you love? What is your favorite thing to do? What is your favorite video game to play? What is your favorite concert to go to? Who's your favorite artist? What do you love? What can you not live without? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, that kind of love. You know, uh, Michael, Pastor Michael, has said this many times. Can I see your calendar? Can I see your checkbook? It won't take me long at all to figure out what you love. Because wherever your time goes, and wherever your money goes, it's probably something that you really love. Does that make sense? So love God first to become an imitator, to love God first. The second thing is um, to become an imitator Follow those who've gone before us. Jesus is our model, of course. Ephesians 5, 1 says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. 1 John 2, 6 says, Whoever claims to live in him must also walk like him. Another great example is the Apostle Paul. In 1 Corinthians 10, 34, Paul says, 
and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And so I ask myself, can I say that? Can you, will you just watch me? You can just imitate me. And I'm like, I don't think I can say that, but I can say this. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, here's a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. I can relate to Paul on that. The Apostle Paul got it right. So in one breath, he's saying, I'm the worst sinner. In another breath, he's saying, imitate me. Guess what? That's just like you and me. Because there are days when we, or maybe even, maybe we can say a week. We had a good week. You can imitate me. You had a, you know, that week. But these next two weeks, don't. (laughs) I'm the worst sinner. Are you tracking with me on that? Um, This is a quote. It could be on your your note sheet there. I'm not sure. Uh, But it says, to me, Jesus is the life I want to live. The light I want to reflect. The, The way to the Father, the love. I want to express the joy I want to share, the peace I want to sow around me. Jesus is everything to me. That's Mother Teresa. And most of us know who Mother Teresa is. That's someone you can imitate. That's someone you can live like. The third point on this note sheet is stories, that stories that they don't tell you in Sunday school. Uh, Oh, actually, I should say this is a mistake. Or it's not really a mistake. It's a bonus. I'm giving you a bonus. Because I've lived so long, I'm going to say this to you. For all you purists shouting, I'm an original. I don't imitate. I'm going to tell you a story about composer John Williams. When he set out to write the epic score for the original Star Wars in 1977. Well, that was a good year because in 1977... I was graduating from high school. And uh, when John Williams looked for inspiration uh, from composers who wrote sweeping symphonic music, the music that provided the soundtrack for adventures like Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Darth Vader, grew from scores by composers like Eric Kornhold. George Lucas asked Williams to write a score that drew from films like The Adventures of Robin Hood, The Seahawk, which Korngold scored in the 30s and 40s. So this was the inspiration for John Williams. Go ahead and play that clip. So John Williams, like the most famous composer in the world, this is the exact thing. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? There is no imitation. I mean, there is no, nothing new under the sun, Ecclesiastes says. So he's imitating another great composer. 
to bring to life. And so, like, when I, when I lead creative teams, I tell them, you know, get inspired by something. It's okay to borrow. We all do it. Everybody do, does it. There's really, guys, I mean, originality is, is overrated in some ways. It really is. And I've, I've always kind of been, I don't like to reinvent the wheel. Why reinvent the wheel? Let's learn from somebody. Let's grow from somebody. Let's, let's find a new way. Um, one other quick, how's my time here? Okay, I got that. I got you. I'm way behind. Okay, here we go. I'm going to make this really fast. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty prompt, so now that I see that out there, I'm, I'm scared. Just want to share something with you about marriage. Okay? Leslie and I, 40 years, June 2nd. Lovely lady. We've been through a lot together. Um, our, our fifth year of marriage was a really tough year. We almost ended our, our marriage in the fifth year of marriage. I really feel like... Um, my generation has robbed your generation. And I also feel the church has failed us uh, in the area of marriage. Um, I just want to encourage you that if you're ever called to be married, don't be afraid of it. Um, You can find examples. You can find people to imitate. You can find scriptures. And and I just want to say to the young man, I kind of put the failure of marriage in our culture today at the feet of men. <laughs> Come on, ladies. This is your time. Um, if, and this is, this is why. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, that's a command. How many husbands are doing that? I'm trying to do that every day. Did you like your fajitas today, honey? (laughs) I made her fajitas today. I did the dishes. Actually, we threw her her a little party because her her birthday's in a couple days. But the family got together. But you know what I mean? I mean, you got to lay down your life. You got to humble yourself as man. You got to love. Your wife, as Christ loved the church. So, to become imitators, you need to embody your values, your attitudes and characters and characteristics. Uh, God created you uniquely. Yes, He did. I'm not a- asking you to become a mindless clone. You're an original. Your personality makes you one of a kind, for sure. What I'm talking about is imitating God's character, imitating Christ's character. I'm talking about character transformation. That's what I'm talking about. There's one quote here, and then uh, we're going to pray. There's no single practical truth in the Word of God on which the Spirit is more empathetic than the example which Christ has set for His followers. And the band can come out, start coming up has set for his followers to imitate. The church needed a perfect pattern, a lawless model. It wanted a living embodiment of those precepts of the gospel so strictly enjoined upon every believer, and God has graciously set before us our true model.
His name is Jesus. Love God first and imitate Christ. Imitate Christ. If you'll do those two things, it'll get you a long way down the road. Find your love. Find your love. And put that towards one perfect man. His name is Jesus. I have always tried to imitate the best. He's the best. Wow. I know we fall short of that. We fall so short of that. But we got to keep trying. People need a genuine, real, honest love. So I wrote a prayer, a closing prayer for us. I don't usually write prayers. But I wrote this for us. So would you bow your head and listen as I share this with us and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the way you love us. Thank you for your son, Jesus. I want to thank you for the Apostle Paul and the example he left us. For those who've gone before us, I know I I fail so often, I fall short. And I know you love me. You love us. You believe in us. And you're longing for us to become the person you've created us to be. Lead us to become more like you so that when people are around us, they will get a chance to see you in each of our lives. Make us imitators of the one perfect man who is the exact likeness of you, Father, the invisible God. Father, I know that there is no way we can do this on our own. So I'm asking you for your help. Help us become your mirror to others so that when people see us, they get a real good look at just how loving, caring, merciful, forgiving, patient, honest, and real you are. In Jesus' name, amen.